0: stay there in Luke 11 friends Uh, there's a lot in that passage which is probably in itself a good advertisement for our growth groups Uh, we obviously can't delve into all the details this morning and so growth groups are a great place to not only have another crack at the Bible passage and to ask questions and explore it together but great places to connect with other people and to be praying with and for one another. Let me pray for us as we um, think about this part of God's word together this morning. Our Father, as we come to your word together this morning, we pray that you would give us humble and receptive hearts and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Well, the Apostle Paul uh, writes in Colossians chapter 1 about the nature of what it is to be a Christian in these words. Paul says that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That stark and Most significant change of allegiance and change of kingdom is what the Christian life is all about. And as we follow Jesus in Luke's gospel down the road towards Jerusalem, he continues to lay out the nature of his kingdom and what it looks like for people to belong to his kingdom. And so we want to see this morning the stark reality of what it means to belong to Jesus in contrast. To the kingdom of this world, the dominion of darkness versus the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's a reminder that Christian discipleship is no small matter, uh, that we're dealing with significant issues, That it's not simply about a hat tip in the direction of Jesus or gaining a little bit of insight or wisdom from him as we listen to him or about Uh, claiming his name without following him down the road. It's about a profound shift of allegiance to Jesus as King, as you belong to his kingdom. And so as we touch on Luke chapter 11 today, I want us to see three things about Christian discipleship and belonging to Jesus' kingdom, three challenges. One, that we might stand with Jesus Two, that we might turn to Jesus. And three, that we might rely on Jesus alone. First thing we see is that we want to stand with Jesus and not the kingdom of this world. We see that as Jesus confronts the kingdom of this world expressed in uh, evil spirits and evil thinking. Have a look at chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute, spoke and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beezabal, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you... Claim that I drive out demons by Beisab- Beelze- Yeah. Now, if I drive out demons by Beesabell, by whom do your do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it, to see that when people are confronted with the goodness of Jesus as he confronts evil and demonstrates the kind of victory that his life and his death and his resurrection will bring to this world, the the victory over Satan and his cronies. We see evil in the hearts of, of the crowd when they look at Jesus and see the kingdom of God arriving in this world and they identify him as Satan. When you read a passage like this, it's easy to see the evil at work in the demons possessing people and being driven out by Jesus and Jesus demonstrating his victory and his sovereignty and his rule even over the spirit world. But we also see the evil at work in people's hearts and minds looking at Jesus in the eye, seeing his work in this world and calling it evil a reflection of the upside down nature of this world when people call good evil and evil good that is a picture of Satan at work deceiving lying leading people astray from the truth of Jesus and his kingdom but Jesus is crystal clear, Satan doesn't drive out Satan, it is the finger of God, the saving and judging and sovereign finger of God at work bringing about the victory of Jesus' kingdom over evil into the present experience of the people right in front of him, showing what his death on the cross would fully achieve right there as hearts are cleansed from evil thoughts and evil behaviour and evil spirits. Jesus explains what it is that he's doing from verse 21 when he says a strong man fully armed guards his own house. His possessions are safe, but when someone stronger attacks and overthrows him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Now, that word that I can't pronounce this morning, it means the prince of this house, which is a picture of Satan's rule over the kingdom of this world. His real power, his real presence, his real deception and real evil activity in this world. But Jesus, the stronger man, the bigger man, the ultimate man, steps into this world, into Satan's kingdom and says, I will have it back. Thank you very much as Jesus casts out demons, as Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God, as Jesus dies and rises again, he is in the process, he is in the business of binding up Satan to limit his power and his influence in the world in order that Jesus might pick his pockets, in in order that Jesus might take his plunder, and as we see hearts and minds in this world in this room come to submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior and bring our ultimate allegiance from the prince of this world to the king to the kingdom of the son we see Jesus trashing Satan's kingdom trashing Satan's house stealing Satan's thing how might we demonstrate Jesus' victory over Satan in this world? Well, it's not through miraculous powers. It's not through the dark arts. It's not through any Harry Potter kind of spells or writing, you know, in, in the sky or some, some kind of amazing reality. We demonstrate Jesus' victory over Satan and all that is evil as we proclaim the gospel and bring people out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, from darkness into light, from death into life. And so your very presence in this room and the reality of your Christian discipleship and your allegiance to Jesus, your repentance and faith is a picture of Jesus plundering Satan's things taking people from the dominion of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of the sun. Whenever we read passages like this, there's always the question of the reality of demons and evil spirits. And it's interesting that the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of information when it comes to the reality of these powers in the world not enough to kind of hang our hats on, but enough to reassure us that Jesus has conquered them, that Jesus is bigger, that Jesus is in charge, and his is the kingdom of life that we want to belong to. Uh, the story is told of a, a Melbourne Age uh, journalist who had been uh, under uncovering a lot of underworld activity in Victoria and was receiving for his troubles a lot of death threats from those whose lives and livelihoods were impacted by his revelations. And so he took a meeting one day at a restaurant with a particular underworld figure who meant him harm. And he walked into the restaurant and sat down at the table and another person came with him and sat down at the table across from this underworld figure. The journalist had brought a friend who sat there grinning with a toothless grin, with a body full of tats, with his disfigured and mutilated ears. What's he doing here, the underworld figure says, to which the journalist responds, I just want you to know that my guy is bigger. Now, taking Chopper Reed to a meeting at a restaurant is one thing. Having Jesus as Lord and Saviour is another thing altogether. As we're confronted with evil in this world, not just in the presence of demons and Satan, but hearts and minds that look at Jesus and call him evil, who call good evil and evil good, when we see evil expressed in this world and we can feel overwhelmed at the power, at the influence, Jesus reminds us that he is bigger and his life and his death and his resurrection has bound Satan and his power and his influence in this world in order that we might pick Satan's pockets by living for Jesus' kingdom and calling people from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son. And so with that challenge, Jesus turns to the crowd and says, if you are not with me, you are against me. It's a stark challenge by the king of God's kingdom. That you can't sit on the fence. That you can't have a bed each way. That you can't have a foot in the kingdom of this world and a foot in the kingdom of the Son. You're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. And given who Jesus is, the king of God's kingdom, What Jesus has come to do, defeat all evil and bring in the kingdom of life. Surely we want to be people who stand with Jesus and belong to his kingdom. Secondly, we want to be people who turn to Jesus by hearing and seeing him rightly. Have a look at verse 27. As Jesus was saying these things... A woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave, birth, gave you birth and nursed you. Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There's the stark change of allegiance. No longer is the primary uh, relationship of blessedness, the family relationship in this world, the mother and son relationship that the crowd is referring to. Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. The relationship of blessing is no longer a family one, it is one of faith. The relationship of blessing in this life is a a relationship with Jesus, having heard the word of God and obeyed it. Verse 29, as the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation it asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Again, we have Jesus teaching from the lesser to the greater, pointing the, the crowds who knew their Old Testament Bibles, pointing them to the example of Jonah, um, to the example of Jonah preaching the gospel of repentance to the city of Nineveh, the great representation of evil and wickedness. And what happened at the preaching of Jonah? The whole city turned in repentance to God. And if that city of evil and wickedness turned at the preaching of repentance, what does that say about this this generation who when they're confronted with the king of God's kingdom preaching the gospel of repentance and the kingdom of God say to him, you must be demonic and we don't want to listen. Likewise, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba who came to Solomon to seek his wisdom and his counsel. If that is true of the Gentile queen of Sheba, who recognized the wisdom of God and the counsel of God in his appointed king, how much more, when Jesus, the eternal king, steps into the world, ought this generation who have their Old Testament Bibles, how much more should they listen to him and seek his wisdom and his counsel? and bless the God who made Jesus both King and Saviour. The truth of repentance demonstrated in the Queen of Sheba and in the city of Nineveh will condemn those who refuse to listen, who refuse to hear and obey the word of God. these people with Jesus right in front of him, right in front of them, wanting a sign, wanting more evidence, wanting more information. Evidence and information is not what we are lacking. Evidence and information was not what these people were lacking. The thing that is needed from them and from us Is repentance. Is hearing Jesus' word, seeing Jesus' life, and turning away from sin and turning away from ourselves to trust in Him alone. The third thing we want to see this morning is that not only should we stand with Jesus and turn to Jesus. But rely on Jesus and not simply the outward show of burdensome religion. Pick it up with me at verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. And the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of your cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. This is a picture of Jesus not simply critiquing their washing-up skills, but critiquing what they think the washing up achieves. Washing the dish ceremonially before you eat out of it does not deal with the sin in your heart. Uh, When we were in New York this time last year, uh, we went to a great Upper West Side bagel place um, and when we went inside, the thing that that struck me is that in the corner, was a place to go and get ceremonially clean. And that as a lot of the Jewish inhabitants of that part of New York came in to get their bagels, they would go and they would do their ceremonial hand washing in the corner. The reality is that Jesus says, he has come not to wash the outside, but to wash the inside. To deal with the root of the problem, our sin and the evil of our hearts, our selfishness and what is going on on the inside. And it's contrasted with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who love to tithe their herbs but not care for the poor, who like to wash the cup but refuse to do justice, who like to wash their hands but their hearts are far from God. And just as a plaster cast won't heal your cancer and just as a coat of paint won't fix your shonky foundations, so religious observance won't deal with the condition of your heart. They're relying on their religious observance. They're relying on the system of laws that they've put on top of God's word to make themselves right instead of trusting in what God has said alone and dealing with the sin inside their hearts. While they claimed to be generous, they were simply exploiting people. When they claimed to uphold the law, they were false and bad judges. They made claims to honour, but they were dishonourable. And just like the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, who had distorted God's word and made it a burden when it was meant to be a blessing. Who had turned it into some unreachable standard that they told people to jump over instead of being the word of life and grace and truth to be received and depended upon. They made the book of God's um, revelation a book of obscurity they turned the Bible into a collection of riddles instead of the revelation of God to be listened to and obeyed Jesus says to them in verse 52 you've taken away the key to knowledge you yourselves have not entered in by listening to and obeying God's word and now you are hindering those who would want to enter Not only do they get God's word wrong, but they stand in the way of other people listening and obeying. Friends, Jesus woes to this generation, to the Pharisees and to the teachers of the law. They're not vindictive judgments of someone with a wounded pride. They are the affectionate, and regretful woes of the Saviour King whom they have rejected and the judge of the world before whom they'll stand. And for you and for me, we're reminded this morning of the serious nature of Christian discipleship and that trusting in Jesus is about changing your allegiance from the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of the son going from death to life as you stand with Jesus and turn to Jesus and rely upon Jesus the saviour the king and the judge of all people let me pray for us our father we thank you so much for Jesus commitment to the truth For Jesus, who is the life. For Jesus, who is the way. The way for us to know you and to know life. May we come to him this morning, not simply with a hat tip in the direction of his teaching. Not simply to be amazed at his power and his wisdom but to give him all our allegiance as we stand with him. And to to die to ourselves as we turn to him. And to claim nothing in our hands as we rely upon him. We ask that you would do this for us, for Jesus' sake. Amen.